I do want to mention one thing about revival. Revival is not something that we book in because it's that time of year, it's springtime or it's fall or it's summer. Revival is something that we have when we feel led of, the God, led of God to our church needs it. And we need to be constantly revived. And so don't think, well, this is just for pastor and pastor just did this. I did this for you. Each and every night is going to be designated to you. God's got something for you every night. Every night. When you miss, that's the night you miss something. You think, well, Drew, you're just hyping this up. No, I'm telling the truth. I am telling the truth. Every time I miss certain church service, they, they tell me, oh, you should have seen it. You should have felt it. You should have. It's something you miss. There's services planned out, but it's going to be for you, and God's going to do a mighty work in this house during this time. Amen. Matthew chapter 21, verse number 1, New King James Version. It says, now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them, bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a great, excuse me, and a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Verse number 9 says, Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna. Hallelujah. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest. When I read this right here, it tells me that they were loud and joyful. This was not a quiet scripture. I read it quiet. It was not a quiet scripture. They were screaming. They were yelling. to the highest verse number 10 and when he had come to jerusalem all the city was moved saying who is this so the multitude said this is jesus the prophet from the nazareth of galilee hallelujah would you give the lord a big hand right now Father, I ask you today to hide me behind the shadow of the cross as we try to minister your word. I ask you, Lord, to open our eyes and ears to see and to hear what you have to say. God, I ask you for the Holy Ghost to rest on each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Would you be seated? In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I'm so glad for you that are here today. I'm excited to come in. I really thought today would be... Uh, me and Shelly and the boys, and we'd be here for church by ourselves. It's the last Sunday of spring break and uh, week, and uh, to see your smiling face, we're so excited to be back home. We enjoyed ourselves on vacation. I told them, I said, I eat so much. I didn't, I, I sat down at one meal, and I said, I can't remember when I was hungry. It was like, it's time to eat, so we went and eat, and I was just like, I want to eat when I'm hungry. Brandon, I, I didn't get hungry. 
Unless it was while I was sleeping, I didn't realize it, so. I doubt that, too. We, we eat late, so I, I, I think it carried me through. Hallelujah. I want to preach for a few moments today with the subject, bring back the joy. Bring back the joy. It's a joy to serve the Lord. It's a joy to come into His house, come into His presence and worship Him today. I want to bring back the joy, amen? I'm going to try to smile my whole, the whole way. Bring back the joy. Bring back the joy. Bring back the joy. Bring back the joy. Amen. I like to be happy. How many likes to be happy? How many love to be happy? I do. I, I love to be happy. I don't like it when I walk into the house and somebody's upset. And I'm like, I walk back out. <laughs> I don't want to get involved with that. <clears throat> when my team is going to win, I start getting happy. I start getting happy. I can see it come when I'm coaching baseball. And I see we've got them by the juggler. I know this is it. This is the end of it. I'm fixing to put the squeeze on them. They're, they're fixing it. I'm going to snuff them out right here as a coach. I'm excited. I'm excited. I don't put on a big smile because I don't want them to see it coming. I wait until we do it. And then I start grinning to my, my, my team itself. It doesn't matter if it's the St. Louis Cardinals, <coughs> the Arizona Cardinals. That's my two teams. Or the 12U Cardinal team that Cardin plays on. I get excited when I know when we're about to win. Last night as the Razorbacks were in the final minutes, I was confident, a little bit nervous. But when the other team missed that last shot, my nervousness went all the way. I was like, yeah, yeah, boy, that's right. That's how the hogs do it right there. Give us all heart attacks. I like to win. I like to win. These wins are insignificant, though. They're, they're wins, but in the big picture of life and eternity, they don't mean anything. They don't mean anything, but they're exciting. We understand. But victories bring me happiness and joy. Ferris loves to win. Ferris loves to win. She plays Uno, and if you haven't played her in Uno, you need to play her a game one day. But I'm just going to warn you, she's a poor winner. How many of you ever seen poor winners? She gives you the sign, Justin. Loser, and then she wants you to do a walk of shame around the couch. Do the walk of shame because you lost at Uno. Ferris is a poor winner. She calls you a loser. If you've ever been called by a loser by a cerebral palsy girl, she's the one that'll do it right there. Where has our joy gone? Remember as a child? Think about it. Go in the way back machine. When you was a kid, what made you happy? It didn't take much to make us happy. didn't take much to make me happy. Uh, getting to go to my favorite park and play in Pekin, Illinois. We had a big park with a big lagoon in it. And this lagoon was a concrete lagoon. And you had paddle boats. You had all these things. Then you had baseball fields. Then you had big hills where we'd play army. And then they'd, they'd have all the swing sets, the biggest and coolest swing sets you've ever seen in your life. And when we got to go to the park, I was happy. I was happy. I was excited. There's other things that made me happy. Eating my favorite popsicle. Man, cherry popsicles are the bomb. I mean, you, strawberry and banana, all these other, nah. Cherry is where it's at. Popsicles, that's my favorite. I love that. Or here's what's another thing that made me happy when I was a child. Well, it still makes me happy right now, too. Is seeing my siblings get in trouble with my parents. Yeah, that, that makes me happy still yet, so... 
there's, a, there's a lot of things that make me happy. It didn't take much to make me happy. I'll just put it that way. Reading from our text, we see that these people were convinced that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the Messiah, and that's why they were so excited. They understood what was going on. They partially understood what was going on. They recognized, they identified who Jesus was and recognized who he was. He was the Messiah. He was the Messiah. People were gathering together as they approached Jerusalem for the Passover, and Christ's disciples were walking with him. And I'm not talking about just the 12. How many knows if you're a Christian today, you're a disciple of Jesus? Hallelujah. There's many disciples, just like there was, was here in the scriptures. I want you to understand all Christians are disciples. When you become a Christ follower and give your will and over to God in repentance, ask Jesus in your heart, just believe. You're a disciple of Jesus. Amen. Amen. No doubt there were many there that was a witness to many of Jesus' miracles. I'm sure they'd seen some of the things Jesus had been up to. And if they didn't actually see the miracles take place, no doubt they had heard about Jesus and the miracles he performed. I was reading in my Bible, and I read it in all four uh, Gospels this week and was going over my sermon. And one of them, I realized he had just healed Barnabas. He was blind. He just healed him. The next scripture is the triumphant entry. Start talking about it. Um, it wasn't that long, it wasn't very long before that that he had raised Lazarus from the dead. I mean, everybody heard about that. You raise somebody from the dead. I, I promise you, if we raise somebody from the dead, everybody's going to know about it. In today's media, it's going to take about that quick, and it's going to happen. Everybody in Greenbrier is going to know it. Everybody in Arkansas is going to know it. Everybody in, United States, everybody in the world is going to know somebody was raised from the dead at TFT. That's what revival's for, raises from the dead. Hallelujah. We get raised up spiritually. Hallelujah. They'll know about it, too. They'll know about it, too. During this triumphant entry, Jesus, just a week before completing his mission, there was a great joy with these Christ followers. I know it may seem a little different sometimes, but this is what caught my attention. I wanted to share it with you. They were so ready to be delivered again. They were overjoyed with the prospects of what was happening right there in that moment. Israel had a long history, and everybody knows the history. If you've been in church at all, you know the history of Israel and how many times they're in bondage, how many times that they're in trouble, how many times they, they walk away from God, and God brings them back, usually with punishment. That, that's a better way to say always with punishment. I, I will say that, always with punishment. So they were wanting a king. They were wanting the Messiah. They were overjoyed at the prospects of what was happening. There was joy in knowing that you're walking with the Messiah. Hallelujah. You're walking into Jerusalem with Jesus, and their hopes were that he was coming to town to set up his kingdom and overthrow the Romans. This is it. It's going to happen. He's the Messiah. I recognize this. He's gonna, it's going to happen right here. They were so ready to be delivered again. They were overjoyed with the prospects of what was happening. These people knew the Old Testament. They knew what Zechariah had prophesied you got to understand, in the Jewish culture, they make them read. Well, that sounds crazy. Don't we know how to read? Well, some of us. Nowadays, I don't know how many can read and how many can't. They had to learn these scriptures. They had to understand. Zechariah 9 and 9, they knew this verse. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. 
He is just a having, uh, he is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. They recognize what was going on. And here's, here's the great part. Not only do they recognize Zechariah 9 and 9, they know the rest of them verses too. And I, and I just want to see. These people were coming to Jerusalem for the Passover. When they saw Jesus climb on a donkey, they got really excited. They got really excited. They knew the rest of that prophecy. And they were thinking, great, here it comes. Zechariah 9 and 14. Then the Lord will be seen over them. And his arrows will go forth like lightning. Take that, Romans. That's what they're thinking, man. This is the prophecy. This is what's fixing to happen. I'm getting excited to see some lightning come flying out of me. The Lord God will blow the trumpet and go with the whirlwinds from the south. Man, he's going to blow some wind. It's just going to blow them smooth away. That's what they're thinking. They've got a mighty power. It's going to be a physical rain right here on earth right now. This is what's happening just as soon as we can get into Jerusalem. This is what's going to happen. They're overjoyed about this. Is everybody still with me? That's what's going on. That's what's going on. That's why where they were singing, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. The people are so ready for the Messiah to come. The one who will be the king like David. He will help them defeat all their enemies and will restore Israel to its place of prominence in the world. That's what they're looking at. They're looking for a king to come in. Here's something I, I threw in there. Didn't know if I'd keep it, but I'm going to go ahead and read. They, didn't, they, they missed this part right here. The fact that Jesus was coming in gently and meekly. They should have known something was up. They didn't recognize it. They should have known it. I'll tell you something else. When a king rides a donkey, he's at peace. When he comes riding in on a horse, he's at war. Hallelujah. Just as he described himself in Matthew eleven twenty eight and 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. They didn't quite recognize all that at that time. Some of the people <laughs> would not be happy when they found out that Jesus was not going to whoop up on the Romans. They were ready for it. They were ready for that to happen. However, the gentle, patient grace of God was being shown as Jesus prepared to go to the cross where, where he would bear the sins of the world. Something they didn't quite understand. The people's response to his entrance on a donkey must have been pretty incredible. They were making such a commotion about it. It had to be pretty incre incredible. Apparently, what we see in verse 8 was a common sight as people journeyed to Jerusalem from far away uh, places to keep the Passover. When these pilgrims would enter the city, they'd wel be welcomed by the crowds that was already in the city to come out and meet them. But this was different. They were waving palm branches. They were throwing their coats down. In front. Let, me, let me just side note, and I'm going to just veer off here. You realize what Jesus is doing here? He's conquered nature, all right? He tells the waters to stop. You know, he, he's, he, he does all that. He shows them. He shows his disciple. He has control of that. How about this donkey he's on? They're throwing things, screaming things at this donkey. And this donkey's calm. And he's just peacefully walking. I'm just saying he, he's conquering the animal world right here, too. I, I don't think you could. You go try that, Justin. Tell me how that works. You, 
get on a donkey that's never been rode before, get on it and start riding and let people start throwing stuff at you and throwing stuff in front of you, I think you're going to have problems with your donkey. Oh, man, it was different. They were waving palm branches. They were spreading out their garments, and people were clearing, clearing the way, intending to show honor to the king, their long-awaited Messiah. Passover was a time when Jews celebrated their deliverance from the slavery of Egypt. We all know that. During the New Testament times, it, it became a time when many had high expectations for another exodus. That's what they're looking for. That's why they're so excited, or deliverance from Rome. Uh, that it would take place. That's what they're looking for. But again, the deliverance that Jesus was bringing them had more to do with their heart than it did a political uh, situation that they were looking for, a political scene. All the way back in Matthew 1, we see that Jesus' name was given to him to show he would save his people from their sins. His Hebrew name, Yeshua, means Yahweh, God saves. Or Yahweh is our salvation. Hallelujah. I'm glad I have a Savior. I'm glad I have a Savior. He would save his people from the consequences of their sins because there was a spiritual salvation that needed to be reached. That was the biggest need in their life, and they didn't even realize it, but that's what he come for. When the people saw Jesus riding on a donkey, they cried out, Hosanna. Hosanna means, oh, save or save now. The next line of the verse 9 are quotes from Psalms 18, uh, 25 and 26. Here's what they say. 118, 25 and 26. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. I read that in the Jewish worshiping, regular, they regularly sang Psalms 113 through 118. And it's called the Hallel. I did a lot of research on this, looking at a lot of things I didn't understand and trying to understand and, and get the, be able to pronounce them the correct way. During the Passover season, that's what they're doing. They're singing, they're quoting these scriptures. So all these world, words were all fresh in the minds of the people during this time. One thing I noticed here is that honoring the king caught the attention of others. Amen. When they were given the praise and the honor, they were throwing the, the branches out and they were waving palm uh, leaves is what they believe it was, and throwing their coats out and everything. They were hollering Hosanna in the highest. They were giving worship unto, uh, unto Jesus. It caught the attention of other people. Right? Hmm. Matthew 21 and 10, and when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, who is this? I read one commentator that he thought there was an earthquake there. If there's a slight shaking going on. And when they see Jesus coming in, they're like, what, what's going on here? There's a shaking going on. What's going on here? But they wanted to know who Jesus is. So the multitude said, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. I believe that when we honor Jesus as king and ultimately rulers of our life, other people will notice and wonder what would cause us to give our love and devotion to someone we've never seen. Somebody's going to wonder, why did they go to church? Why did they not cuss me out when I cut them off? Why did they not beat me up when I cut them off in the grocery line? I didn't see. I tried to trip them, and I just couldn't get to them. That's not true. We have an opportunity to share Jesus with them. When we're worshiping God, when we're praising God, we have an opportunity to share with others that they're seeing that you're worshiping. Wonder what in the world's going on? Who is this they're worshiping? It's Jesus. 
Shelly, you can come back if you want to. This is kind of bringing me to my clothes right here. My clothes is long, I'll just tell you. The title of my sermon is Bring Back the Joy. I believe there were plenty of people that were disappointed when Jesus didn't walk in with lightning bolts. I believe they were. They probably thought, well, maybe that's tomorrow. Well, it's kind of like that. When he went into the temple the next day, it was kind of like that. Wasn't exactly what uh, they were looking for. I believe people wanted Jesus to come in there immediately and rescue the day and at that time deliver them from the Roman government just as God delivered them in the past from their other captors. And it didn't happen. It didn't happen. They wanted him to set up his earthly kingdom. Jesus could have done that. That wasn't his plan for freedom. That was not his plan for freedom. They didn't understand everything. They didn't have the New Testament. We understand because we read the whole Bible. We have the New Testament. They didn't know all this was going on. It was, it was being lived out in front of them. They didn't know it. They were the characters in the New Testament. If they'd known that, they probably acted better. The disciples didn't realize and understand everything until later. But what I love is the simplicity of the people. They recognized who the Messiah was. They didn't have to understand the great salvation plan. They understood who the Messiah was. There's a lot of people, and I, including myself, I remember as a young child, when I gave my heart to God for the first time, been a lot of times since then, I didn't understand everything going on. But I understood I needed a Savior. I understood there's something inside of me. There was a craving inside of me. I needed a Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What is true recognition of Jesus Christ? To truly recognize Jesus and bring back the joy, we need to be able to do the following. Identify who Jesus is. Acknowledge who Jesus is. Approve of who Jesus is. I'm going to get to that because that sounds funny. And give tribute to Jesus for who he is. The crowd identified who Jesus was when they put him on a donkey. First of all, they already knew, that's Jesus. There's probably whispering in the crowd, hey, there's Jesus. There's Jesus. Oh, man, I've seen Jesus too. Hey, there's Jesus. They identified. That was his name. Hey, there's Scotty. There's Jackson. There's Reed. We, we, we identify with people. We, we know who they are. They knew who he was. He was Jesus. That's his name. You know, in today's world, there's a lot of people that know the name of Jesus, and they can identify with Jesus. They identify who Jesus is. I, I, I promise, if you go out and do like my dad used to do, don't, don't do this, but this is what he used to do. He'd go out and pick up hitchhikers. Kept telling dad, stop picking up hitchhikers. He gets them trapped in there. And he starts going. Hits the hammer down. They can't get out. And they go, do you know Jesus? I'm sure they're saying, yeah, but I don't want to meet him today. No, he doesn't drive fast. But he did. He'd pick up hitchhikers. And then he'd witness to them. And he told the story. He said, I never met a hitchhiker that didn't know Jesus. Until one. He found somebody that didn't know Jesus one day. Dad told him about Jesus. He said, 
Where's he at? I'd like to meet him. Had no clue. But most people know Jesus. They identify who Jesus is. And unfortunately, that's the extent of where most people are today. They know the name of Jesus, but they've never got any closer with him. The crowd acknowledged the authority of Jesus. I believe they've seen the power. I believe they heard about the miracles. I believe they've seen different things go on. They understood. So they acknowledged he's the Messiah. That's him right there. I know his name. I identify who he is. But now I acknowledge what he's done. He's did these things. I've seen it with my own eyes. He's did it. That's the Messiah. Today we see people that know the name of Jesus and they believe in what he did. They believe the Bible. They've read the Bible. They see the authority he has. He's God's son. He heals people. And that's where they stop. The next thing we see is the crowd approved Jesus. This is really simple. In other words, they officially endorsed Jesus for who he was. They endorsed Jesus for who he was. Hallelujah. You can identify Jesus. You can acknowledge, yeah, he was a great man. Have you endorsed Jesus? Lord, help us. I'm, I'm going to hurry through. Finally, the crowd paid, paid tribute to Jesus. And we know why they paid tribute. I mentioned it before. They thought this was their way of being, their way out of being oppressed by the Romans. Yes, the crowd realized Jesus was the Messiah, but they didn't understand everything. But they still paid tribute to Jesus, and they were excited and joyful to know that their Messiah was there to save them. They understood what Hosanna meant. He was their Savior. He was their Savior. We can identify Jesus, acknowledge His authority. We can also approve of who He is. But if we, don't, if we do not pay Jesus tribute... We're one step short of full recognition of Jesus in our life. Now, I bring you all to, the, all to this point. I'm, I'm going to skip the rest of this. They're waving palm branches. They're throwing them out in front of him. Taking their jacket off. Throwing it out in front. You know, I, I wasn't, obviously, in them days. I didn't understand all them things. I remember on cartoons. How many learned a lot from cartoons? I did. I seen on cartoons that where they throw the coat out for the queen to walk on because she didn't want to walk on dirt, you know, or couldn't walk on dirt. That's what I envisioned here. They didn't want him. They didn't want him touching the dirt. Didn't want that coat touch the dirt. They were doing crazy things, and not only that, they were lifting their voice up. They were announcing to everyone, "This is Jesus." This is his name. I acknowledge who this man is. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But you know what? I approve him. I'm endorsing him right now by telling you that. But not only that, I'm going to give him some crazy worship. I talked at the beginning. Bring back the joy. How do you do that? We need to be given some crazy worship. We need to be given some crazy praise. I don't care what's going on in your life today. I know Miss Kim has lost a loved one this week. And we're all sorrowful. We mourn when she mourns. But you know what? Because of what Christ has done, we can celebrate. We can celebrate that the Savior 
Not only did he go to the cross for it, he's risen at the right hand of the throne. Amen. We have a reason to celebrate. We have a reason to praise. We have a reason to worship today. Bring back the joy. How do we bring back the joy? Bring back your worship. Bring back your worship. Bring back the crazy worship. How many know that while they're walking down this road and Jesus is on this donkey, they probably wasn't anointed while they were worshiping? Well, I'm just asking. Do you think they were anointed? I don't. I think they were excited because of what God had done. Christians too many times feel like, well, we got to have the anointing fall. The praise team's got to do this awesome job and bring the Spirit of God in here. When I feel the Spirit, well, then I'll start. I'll start praising the Lord. I'll start shouting. I'll start doing. The band wasn't playing. They were singing. They probably couldn't carry a tune. And they were singing, worshiping. Why? It was coming from their heart. They realized, that's my Savior. That's what's going to save me. He's the one that's going to save me. I'm going to give him crazy praise right now because he's the one. He's my Messiah. He's coming in here to deliver me. They didn't have to be anointed for that. They just had to be thankful for that and begin to praise him. I begin to praise him. Hosanna in the highest, my Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me? Church, I want us to get out of the routine that I can only worship God with my favorite song. I can only worship God and praise God if everything's just right, if the house is full, if this or that is right, if my life is perfect, if all my bills are paid, then I'll worship. You know, if everybody's good in my family, well, then I'll worship. Give him worship. He's the Savior. He deserves it just right there. I'm doing nothing else. He deserves it. Hosanna. Hosanna. Sing it. Hallelujah. He's Hosanna in the highest. Our Savior, Hosanna. Hosanna. Hallelujah, hallelujah.